You're listening to The Bridge, a podcast on stories of courage, resilience, and innovation with me, Linda Fadrizi-Williams, the president of Central Penn College. Welcome back to The Bridge Podcast. Today, you will hear part two of my interview with newly reelected state representative Greg Rothman. Greg represents the 87th House District, which include the Cumberland County communities of Camp Hill, East Pennsboro, Hampton, and portions of Silver Spring Townships. Part one of the podcast focused mainly on Representative Rothman's different roles in the House and what it's like to be a state representative. Today's podcast focuses more on the personal side of Greg, including how he balances his time between work, home, and service to our community. I hope you enjoy. All right, Greg, tell me a little bit about your relationship with Charlie Tremendous Jones. So when I was in uh, 1977, so seventh grade, I think I was 12 years old, my dad took me to Cedarcliff High School, or maybe maybe been the middle school, to hear Charlie Tremendous Jones speak. And he gave a speech called Life is Tremendous. And he was this big guy with a bow tie and dancing <laughs> around and hugging people. And my dad bought me this book. And so I read that book. And I read that book every year of middle school, every year of high school, oh, wow. every year of college. And years later, no, not years later, but two years after I graduated from college, I'm with my then best friend, who's also a salesman, and I'm in his apartment not far from here, and he's got the book on his bookshelf. And I said, life is tremendous. That's the book that got me through high school and college. And he said, me too. You're kidding. So I didn't know that Charlie was from central Pennsylvania. I didn't know that he lived in Mechanicsburg. I went back, saw my dad the next day and said, remember that crazy guy that talked about give to get and reading (laughs) books and quotes and reading biographies? Remember that guy? And he said, yeah. And I said, my friend Tim's got the same book on his bookshelf. It got him through high school and college. And my dad said, you know, he lives in Mechanicsburg. I said, what? So I called him up and told him the story. And I said, we want to come meet you. This was a Monday. Oh, that's so funny. He said, come Wednesday at 6 a.m. and bring a dozen glazed Dunkin' Donuts. <laughs> 6 a.m.? 6 a.m. <laughs> and so do you know I met with him every Wednesday. You're kidding. At 6 a.m. with a box of donuts that I had to bring for the next probably 10, 20 year, 10 no years till he died. Way. And we, we became, he was in my wedding. I mean, Charlie, I, I went to him and I said, tell us about success and making money because we oh want to make money. Gosh. And he never talked about that. He talked about serving people and he talked about loving people and he talked wow. about kindness. And um, I, fortunately, my kids got to know him and my, my kids got to read to him and we sang hymns to him as he was dying um, and the first time he told me he was dying, he had me meet him and he'd give me an address. He'd say, show up. And I showed up and he was getting his chemotherapy. And oh I sat goodness. there and talked to him. And, and uh, he said, don't pray for me. I want to go home. I'm going home. Oh, boy. But he, he just changed my outlook on life. I mean, I, from, from even seventh grade, he influenced me. But when I got to see him, it was when I was this hard charging, I want to make money and I want to make any. Sure. And Charlie's a very successful man. And never talked about money. It wasn't about money. It was about giving, giving yeah, away. You yeah. Know, you want, and so, yeah. So oh, he, that's an incredible story. And for him to meet with a young kid at yeah. 6 a.m. every Wednesday, yeah. I never had the opportunity to meet, meet him, but the Jones family has been very generous to Central Penn College and his daughter, Tracy, is a friend to the college. So one more quick story. Yeah, please. So my, uh, my wife's uncle just bought a house over in, in December. 
and my mother-in-law said, hey, there's some furniture. We have a farmhouse out in, um, in Gettysburg. And she said, maybe you want to take some of the furniture because the person who sold the house left all the furniture. Mm-hmm. It's part of it. And so he doesn't want all of it, so if you want it. And so I went over and I saw this really cool, I got a couple couches and there's this really cool chair. And I said, I'll, I'll take this chair. And so we're moving the chair and I wasn't even going to do it. I'm like, we have enough furniture. <laughs> but I like this leather chair. And I said, yeah, this would be a great chair for my office. You know, I'm going to take this chair. As I'm getting, arranging stuff to be moved, I see this pamphlet on the ground, life insurance, eternal life insurance policy. And I said, who'd you buy this house from to my, my, or my wife's uncle? Uh, Gloria Jones. Oh, you're kidding. I have Charlie Tremendous Jones lounge chair, leather lounge in chair in my, in my house. I get this what are the odds of that? Right? That's like goosebump story. Right. Yeah. yeah so. That is so cool. Yeah. That is, that, those are awesome stories. Right? Yeah, that's pretty cool. So, Greg, one of the reasons we have you on the show today, it's not only that you represent our college in the General Assembly, but one of the things that makes our college so special is our veteran population. We have a lot of student vets return to college. Some of them, they're in college for the first time. Some of them, they're coming back to further their education, prepare themselves for a second career or third career. You're a veteran of the United States Marine Corps, right? Yes. And you served for 10 years. Yes. And many people may not know this about you, that you actually served in Operation Desert Storm. Yeah, I enlisted when it started. Remember, it only lasted three days, so... But here's the crazy part. They can't see you because we're on a podcast. You do not look like you're someone that's old enough oh, that, to yes. have served in Desert Storm. But that is that why you enlisted? That yeah. was one of my questions is what made you join? Yeah, um, I enlisted. The ground war started on Wednesday night. I enlisted on Friday. I'd always wanted to serve. And my dad always said when there's a war. Well, yeah. with my generation, we didn't have any wars because right. it was post-Vietnam. post, post um, and, and so when we invaded Grenada or we bombed Libya, I'd say, I'm going to enlist. And my dad, that's not a war. So this was a war. Yeah. It only lasted three days. But I stayed in the Marine Corps for 10 years after that. So I, I didn't actually go to the Persian Gulf because the, the war only lasted three days. But but it was something that you felt like you needed to yeah, do. Yeah. And I went to tell my parents that I enlisted because I decided I wasn't going to tell anybody until after I did it. And my dad was sitting on the couch watching something. And he said, uh, well, go tell your mom. And I went upstairs. And my mother was laying in bed watching 60 Minutes. And they had the first casualty of the war. Oh, and no. And it was a young Marine Lance Corporal. And my mother said, I just thanked God that your brother and you aren't in them military <laughs> and i said mom i just enlisted in the marine corps so and i didn't know the war was going to end but um, what did she say i mean were your parents supportive my, as a mother i know that my, has to be hard my to parents hear. have supported every crazy idea every crazy thing i've ever done and and they but they've also never said you have to do anything so right. they they just allowed my sister and brother and i to do what we wanted to do but um i couldn't see them ever encourage ever discouraging it either but i think they were i think they were proud of me doing that and I'm sure yeah so what are some of the biggest things that being in the Marine Corps taught you well and I think every branch it, you, you the discipline um, if you have a, a student who is a veteran you know they have already succeeded at something right um, just to get through boot camp just to get through basic training um, they know how to work as a team because no military survives without that cohesion of a team that's right and um, and they have drive I mean it, it turns out that um, veterans are like 10 times more likely to be successful entrepreneurs yeah because they have that drive and uh, again we live in a country where all of our People serve in the military do it voluntarily. Right. So the fact that someone, I mean, th- just think about that. I, I mean, someone said it wasn't me. But, you know, you write a blank check. You're willing to give up your life for your country. Right. And it's only 2 to 4% of the population at any given, uh, you know, given time. You think about that. Um, I met an 88-year-old Korean War veteran the other day. He lives over here in Nola. We gave him a medal. And, you know, he said, 
yeah, I just did my part well. Right. But that's a special person. It is. And and so your students, the men and women who come here, you know already that they've got a leg up. Now, look, they also have things they have to deal with because, um, you know, PTSD is a real thing. And, you know, I, I remember transitioning from boot camp and Marines to being in civilian life and um, having a lot less patience and you know, right. why, why is that? You know, that, that's not, everything has to be in the Marine Corps. Everything's perfect and you want everything to be perfect. And um, I had a girlfriend at the time and she's like, why is your uniform all perfectly lined up and all your other clothes are in a pile? <laughs> I said, well. <laughs> well, because those have to be. That's right. The priorities. So let me ask you that because I, I'd like you to give our veteran students a piece of advice, especially on the transition, because I hear that a lot. Um, what advice do you have for those students who are coming out of service like you did, knowing what you know now. Yeah, I, I would say, you know, have a little more patience, you mm-hmm. know, be a little less judgmental of the civilians because they haven't had the benefit you have of, of going through, you know, <laughs> sure. for, serving in the finest military in the history of the world. Um, I absolutely reach out to other veterans. It has been in my business and in my political career, Marines, so many Marines have helped me. I have a father-in-law who's a Marine. And um, I talk to him after I go door to door during the week during the campaigns. They'll say, how many Marines did you meet today? And there's always oh. one, two, because Marines know Marines. And right. so a guy came to the door the other day without a shirt on. He had a drill instructor across his chest. And he said, <laughs> I'm for you. Um, <laughs> but Marines helped me in business, including my father-in-law. Right. And, and veterans will help other veterans. I mean, if, I, if I'll hire, you know, I've hired lots of veterans. They come into the business. We know because I already know. So reach out to other veterans. By the way, that was one of the main reasons I wanted to join the military. I remember listening to my dad and his buddies on our back porch um, talking about telling stories about being in the Army. Mm-hmm. And I just – I wanted that camaraderie. And so you know, that's what – my advice would be to reach out to other veterans and uh, in all age groups. So. That's very good advice. And what about for students that are maybe having a difficult time navigating aid or navigating the VA yeah. resources, a place you can guide them to? Yeah, I mean, the GI, GI benefits are pretty good, and especially when it comes to the educational bill. And so I think they've done a lot better job since when I was in. When I, when I joined the Marine Corps, I'd already graduated from uh, under, I'd already had my undergraduate degree, oh, okay. um, but I wanted to go to graduate school and they weren't, they wouldn't pay for graduate school at the time. Oh, so, interesting. um, but now they do. And you know, that, that's somewhere where you, you know, that your unit can help you, or I'm sure you guys have people here who can help you we too. Do. But we do. I mean, look, education is a, it's, it's the way to the future and it's the way to the growth. And anybody who serves in the military knows that because military is all about teaching and they, the way they teach is interesting, but it's all about teaching. But you're right about about the drive yeah. of people who have served because our our vets are some of our strongest graduates, um, and they're some of the the highest graduation rates that we have. They persist through yeah. their education, and I think a lot of it is because they know how to work towards something, and they have that kind of drive and ambition. So that's a really good point. Yeah. I want to just touch on entrepreneurship. You mentioned it several times. You are a business owner. You're someone who clearly has a drive. You talk about when you were in high school and college, like knowing you wanted to make money and you were going to make that happen yeah. and, and talking to your buddy about it. Where do you get that drive for entrepreneurship? Well, first of all, I, I, my personality, I want to do something productive. Mm-hmm. And, and I like – now, look, if, if, if we kept score with, you know, I don't know, tulips and uh, salt – I've read a book about salt and the tulips, the t- <laughs> tulips being a, a, in the in Dutch and in, um, in Holland in the 1500s and the great tulip. Anyway, but um, then that's what I'd want to make because I mean it was like the money allows you. I always saw money as as freedom, 
right. and money as generosity. And, right. and as Charlie would say, the more money I make, the more I can give away. Yeah. The more yeah. I can help other people. And, and for me, it was also about freedom. I wanted the ability to do what I wanted to do with my life. So if I made enough money, I would do that. But it's funny, once you start, and maybe this is Charlie, but once you start working in a business where you provide something, where mm-hmm. you guys are providing education right. or I was selling houses, you stop thinking about the money and you start thinking about the service. And so I wanted to be the best real estate agent right. or I wanted to do more appraisals than anybody else or I want to sell more widgets or whatever it is. Yeah. You're not thinking about making money. You're thinking about, I want to help all these people get a house. Exactly. I want to all these, help all these people get a degree so that they can improve their lives. That's, that was what was my drive. And, you know, I, as I've gotten older, I've gotten to learn that not everybody thinks the same way I do and not no. everybody has the same drive. No, and, and I can't, I can't begrudge that. And, and, yeah. and there are some of us, though, that we get this, if we're just, it's our DNA. We want to, and I think that's many of our founders were like that. And many of the great entrepreneurs, men and women and the great innovators, they had that. I mean, you think right. Steve Jobs at Apple's right. or Bill Gates at Microsoft. Something drove them to want to help other people. Milton Hershey is one of my all-time favorite oh, people. I wrote, I wrote a biography of Hershey. He wanted to share chocolate with the world. He I wanted know. to democratize chocolate. And, and it wasn't just about making money. He wanted. He, he had an idea. He, he, he liked, wanted to put milk in chocolate. <laughs> that's right. No, that's, a, that's, that's a, a great piece because you're right. If you're mission-driven – and you're someone who's motivated by what you do, your job becomes something you love, which is probably why you got into politics. You talked yeah. a little bit about that too, wanting to serve and help people. We have a lot of students here. Business is our number one program. A lot that are in the small business and entrepreneurship, a lot of um, self-starters and people who want to start their own business, which obviously can be very challenging. It yep. can be really difficult, but when you have an idea and it's something you're passionate about, you want to push. So what's what's some advice you have for people wanting to pursue or start their own small business. Yeah. So my first year in real estate, and basically when you're a real estate agent, you have your own business because you're, mm-hmm. I mean, I, I ended up running a business of a lot of real estate agents, but at the time, you know, you sort of have your own business. And my first year I made $8,000. Now this was 1990, 89, 90. So today that would be like making $10,000. So, <laughs> um, and I did it all by myself. Uh, did you still live with horrible. your parents? I did for the first couple months. I was going to say you'd have to. No, my dad said, I lived in an apartment with three other guys. Oh, okay. My, my dad was going to start charging me rent. He said, you can stay here for one month. Look, I didn't have enough money to pay attention. I had a mentor, and that that's one thing. Get a mentor, yeah, right? Get, I mean, we can, no matter where you are in life, get a mentor. I had so many people help me. I mean, so I remember telling one guy, he was a, in, worked for the competition. I said, why are you telling me all this stuff? He said, yeah, most people don't listen to anybody. And by the way, someone taught me this. Right. Someone mentored me. Right. So my first year, I, you know, I know something about business. I didn't know that I was not making any money because I was so excited. My second year was really hard. And, and the second year is when you're like, oh, am I going to be able to make this? And I yeah. remember wondering if I was going to make it. And, you know, do I need to get a real job? My friends were all making thirty or $40,000 right. at their real jobs, and I was all commission. And that's about when I met Charlie, too. And, and, uh, but I had a mentor who said, a business loses money the first year. They break even the second year. And the third year is when they make money. And that's right. why most businesses fail within the first couple of years. And so, you know, you got to be prepared for that. So you can't start a business and say, well, I'm going to make money my first year because you're that's not. That's right. And you're not going to make money your second year. And it's the third year. So, um, but I think the best advice I can give any entrepreneur is find a, find a mentor. And you will be shocked how many people are willing to be your mentor. Yeah. I think that's really, really good advice. It's something we give a lot. I think I'm going to sign you up to be an adjunct professor. I'd be happy to. <laughs> In our business In my free program. time. In all your free time. 
stay tuned. We will be right back. This episode will continue in a moment, but first, we all know that affording college can be a challenge. Since 2004, the Central Penn College Education Foundation has been working to help students at Central Penn invest in their futures with scholarships and support. Through the generous support of foundations and individuals like you, Central Penn College Education Foundation continues to impact the lives of today's students at the college. During the holiday season, our Rise and Shine campaign has kicked off to invite you to join that story. Check out www.centralpen.edu slash education foundation to make your pledge now to support funding student scholarships at Central Penn. Together, we can help these students rise to achieve their goals and shine in their careers. I want to talk more about your, your lack of free time again, because... Again, you're you're you don't you're not only a state representative, you own your own business. That's such a that's such a crazy thing to even think about two full time jobs and then you're a husband and a father of five. And so I can't I get I get asked a lot of questions about balance and how you try to balance your world. And I heard this whole I, well, I read a dissertation about work-life balance isn't real, but work-life integration is, and finding a way to integrate your worlds together so that they're not so separate or you can carve out those pieces. So how involved are your children in your business or in or in politics? I yeah. mean, do they help you campaign? Do they even Absolutely. understand what a state representative yes. does? Yes, yes. And uh, the Abigail's two and a half years old, and she'll tell you she's a Republican <laughs> she can't really say it, but she, oh, she thinks. She, uh, so my older kids, my, um, one of them's in real estate, and he's okay. not—he's not in Central Pennsylvania anymore. He's out in Los Angeles, but he's a oh. real estate broker, and he worked with me for for years. I work with my father and my brother too. I will tell you that it, the key is to s- surround yourself with people that are smarter than you, and yeah. and people who pick up the slack. And I've got a lot of great people around me, just in my family alone, right. um, that help make my life easier. And at the company, we hired great people that help make the company great. I have great staff in my legislative office. And when it comes to the little kids, you know, my wife is, you know, she's unbelievable. I mean, the stuff she does for the kids, and I think probably every mom does that. Actually, yeah. I, I've come to the conclusion that moms are the. I mean, is there any more important? human being in the, in our, in, in society. I don't think mothers. so. Yeah. yeah. And it's, and, and thankless. And, but that's, you know, I know what my mother did for, for us and, yeah. and what my wife does for our that's kids. Right. And, um, but my kids, they, they come along with me wherever I go. They, uh, the, the six year old was knocking on doors, <laughs> which, which was sort of a disaster, but, um, but, but, but she got great. me votes. My, my older kids used to go on house showings with me and would show oh. houses and, um, one's, a um, at, NYU, she's she's going to be a uh, she's a senior and she's a sports management major. She worked at the baseball team because I'm one of the owners of the minor league baseball team. She spent going went to every baseball game with me. And then that's crazy. My middle daughter Mia, not middle anymore, but she's 19. She's at Penn State. She wants to be in real estate. She wants to be a real estate developer. Wow! So you've had some influence. So going on yeah. all those house yeah. tours with you obviously planted some seeds. And then uh, Elena's six. She wants to be a princess. So. <laughs> Nothing wrong with that either. And and Abigail just does what she she wants to be whatever her older sisters are. She's just she just loves her older sisters. So that's a great example of how you have found a way to integrate your personal life and your business life, your professional life together. It doesn't have to be separate. I think there was a time where people really wanted to separate your family and your personal life from your business life, and that's that's not the case anymore. Yeah, the other thing is you have to make 
your kid's priority. Yeah. Um, I and and in business it's a little different, you know. But I would tell my clients, hey, I can't do this open house on Sunday or show you this house on Saturday because my son has a soccer game. Yeah. And do you know yeah. no one ever said to me, what? I'm going to find someone else. No one ever says that. I know. And by the way, if they did, I don't really want them as a client anyway. But but people aren't – that they, they understand now. And they and I, I would take my kids along and at first I'd be, in, you know, I don't know. Is this going to be okay? You know, do you, do you care? But it was my time with them. So – That's right. Hey, let's go look at a house. And they got used to driving around looking at houses and they liked it. And so – but I never had a client say, why'd you bring your kid along? No, I think it's sometimes pressure we put on ourselves. Yeah, We, we definitely do. And I had that thought. I, I had to go out to dinner with someone um, working on a big project for the college a week ago. And it was getting late. It was like 7 o'clock, which is when I'm you know, reading stories and checking over homework. And he's like, let's just stay a little bit longer. And I said, you know what? I have to get home to my sons. Like, yeah. This is my time with them. And at first I thought I should just make an excuse and tell them I have somewhere else to be. And then I thought, you know what? No. Yeah. <laughs> I have two sons. I'm going to tell them where I'm going. And he was like, oh, I totally get it. Thanks for giving me your time. And it's exactly what you said. Nobody balks at it. Nope. They understand it. And I think in a lot of ways, people respect it. Yeah. Yeah. So. And, and, and and it's, you know, the kids appreciate it. And that's the, uh, I heard someone say that it's more important for you to read to your child to prepare them for college than it is to even put money in a college fund for them. I believe that. Right? I mean, read to them. And, and so I read, read my, my wife does most of the reading, but I get to read a book to the, the kids every night, every night. And I did with the other kids. And I mean, that's, that's special. Yeah. And it's, it's good for us too, right? It keeps us grounded. Oh, it and, totally does. And then they grow up because I've got <laughs> ones that are now out of the house and you, you know, you, you miss wild. them. I yeah. know. I know. Um, we're almost done here. I have another question, and then we're going to do a rapid-fire question okay. at the very end. So just it's so nice to hear your story and how you're balancing your roles and just you as a dad and being there and present in your kid's life. Was there ever a story or a time where you did feel particularly overwhelmed, like a time in your life? Is it when you were maybe starting your business or when you were maybe running for office the first time and that you had to find yourself grounded again? Or what was it that sort of like restored that balance for you? Well, I can remember my first election, which was a special election and knocking on all these doors, which I didn't think I was going to have to do and all the, all the pressure. And I remember calling a friend of mine who's a congressman and um, I said to him, hey, um, the night before the election, because this was the day before the election, I said, do you get the your first election? Do you just do you get the feeling you'd just be happy winning by one vote? And he said, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, and, yeah. and, you know, it's I, I remember my son saying to me, because he was helping on the campaign, he said, you, you raised all the money you needed to, you knocked on all the doors you needed to, you, you put out all the ads, you, you, you did everything you were supposed to do. If you lose, it's just going to be because they don't like you. Oh, jeez. <laughs> <laughs> See, again, they ground you. Right? And, and, oh, you boy. Know, so, That's pressure. So, I mean, I, you know, I, I, I can, I, there were times in business that I was in a, in a meeting, in a, trying to close a deal, and I knew, I was looking at my watch and knowing there was a soccer game going on that I was going to miss yeah, or dinner. I was going to be late for dinner. And I mean, those are, you know, those are things you can't really get back. But I, I, as I've gotten older, I've been, I've been more disciplined and, and been able to understand that the right. fa- you got to make your family come first. Yeah. And it, it's, I told my six year old this yesterday, last night, because we went out to dinner with, went over to my, parents house for dinner mm-hmm. i said the family having a family Ugh, is the most important thing and and we're so lucky to have a family that's supportive and loves you and i mean that's 
they, I have some regrets that I, you know, I put business ahead of family, but um, I'm working on that better. And and the same with with you know camp uh, politicians campaigning and politics. And yeah. it's easy to go to one more event, knock on one more door, and and I'm so I'm always struggling with it. But I've never been. I'm never overwhelmed. I'm just. I'm str- I struggle with it. And again, I think it's a personal struggle, right? I think yeah. it's a little more pressure we put on ourselves. And sometimes you have to go through those periods where you look back and you regret a little bit because it makes you into who you are. Sure. So, all right, you ready for the rapid fire yes. questions? We're going to end every podcast with this. Just five quick questions, top of your head responses. Okay. All right, ready? Grilled cheese. <laughs> close. There is a question close to that. All right, number one. Top song, group, or artist on your playlist or that you listen to right now? I, I'm, this this is horrible to say. It's you, it's a rapid fire site. I don't really listen to music at all. No, but I do. Ha- I, uh, you are the you are the reason and uh, accidentally love because my six year old makes me play those all the time. When we're in the oh, car. You're, so. you're still in baby I, land, so I, you're gonna have those. Yeah, and I mean, I you know, I, I liked Ellis Costello growing up, and okay. you know, I like the Eagles and. But I generally listen to podcasts. I was going to say you're a podcast or yep. an NPR person, yep. aren't you? And, uh, yeah, and podcasts. Okay, yep. podcasts. Me too. All right, number two, dog or cat? Dog. Thank God. Okay. I still like you. Dogs, yeah. <laughs> We're still friends. All right, number three, best thing that happened to you this month? Uh, wow. That's a tough one. It's not yeah, really it's rapid October fire. October, but... too. I have to think about that. Okay. Oh, well, I know. Elena turned six. There you go. Yeah, she, she had a on birthday the 10th, she party. Six. It was a birthday week. It's a birth week. Birth week. Birth. Is that for all your kids or just no, the just, princess? Just the princess. Just the princess. Yeah, well, princess right. deserves a week. Yeah. So that's all right. Good one. All right. Favorite beverage? I like to drink Dr. Pepper. I like red wine, Cabernets, but I don't drink very often. I like, I still like milk. <laughs> okay. Last question. Best piece of advice for Central Penn College students? Yeah, just you're at the right place. I mean, this is such a great opportunity. I mean, it, learn, 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 learn. I mean, this is, it's going to make a difference in your life. And, and what a great opportunity to be at Central Penn. And uh, I'm so impressed with everything you guys are doing. Oh, and thanks. You're, you're being a dynamic leader. And this is, this is a great opportunity. We talked about this last week, just the, you're the future of, of education post, post COVID. And you're going to have a lot of positive impact on people's lives. Oh, well, thank you. Uh, State Representative Greg Rothman from the 87th District. So excited to have you as our first ever guest on the Bridge Podcast. Thank you for taking time out. I know it's not, we know how packed your schedule is. So to fit us in, we're, we're really honored. So thank, thank you. you. That brings us to the end of this week's episode of The Bridge Podcast. Join us for upcoming episodes of The Bridge, where we will interview Central Penn College alum and Board of Directors member Dwight Utz, whose story of finding his purpose here at Central Penn College led to a 40-year career of success in inspiring. We will also sit down and talk with our Vice President of Advancement and Strategic Initiatives, Michael Fedor, on the innovation his office is leading to make higher education available and attainable for more students, as well as workers already in a career path or looking to make a change. We'll see you again next time. Did you know that Central Penn College is a career-focused college offering professional certifications as well as degrees in high-demand occupations? That's right. Central Penn College offers associates, bachelor's, and master's degrees in a variety of programs targeted to land you that promotion or new career path post-graduation. And get this, 90.6% of recent graduates report working in their field of study or continuing their education within one year of graduation. 90.6%. 
To learn more about Central Penn College and our career-focused programs, visit us online at www.centralpenn.edu.